You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. ISIS mixes inspiration with clandestine cells as its territory shrinks. EU internet surveillance is criticized as both porous and unaccountable. Our mine again tries marketing by hacking. Adwind is back and likely to spread. Researchers offer insight into MNKit and SBDH malware. In ransomware, Zepto succeeds Locky and Satana follows Petya's footsteps. ThinkPone appears as a proof of concept, but not yet in the wild. And we've got updates on U.S. election hacks and email handling investigations. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, July 5th, 2016. A wave of ISIS-connected terror attacks over the past weekend suggests that the caliphate has evolved a mix of inspiration and directed operation of organized clandestine cells. The attacks, which ranged over the past week from Turkey through Israel, across the subcontinent and into Malaysia, appear to represent the long-foreseen shift to out-of-area operations as ISIS-controlled territory shrinks. Cells, while potentially deadlier, are easier in principle to disrupt than are the self-organized attacks of inspired lone wolves. Authorities worldwide look to the Internet for ways of countering both sorts of threat. The European Union's surveillance of the Internet, with Europol's Internet Referral Unit, IRU, in the lead, is attracting criticism from digital rights group Access Now. The IRU has proceeded largely by requesting that dangerous, potentially illicit content be taken down. Access Now calls this approach haphazard, alarming, tone-deaf, and entirely counterproductive. If there's illegal content online, Access Now argues, it should be dealt with through a duly obtained court order directing its removal. The IRU defends its practices on the grounds of their success, and notes that the material its work to remove includes, in a list Ars Technica provides, quote, violent extremist propaganda videos, pictures of beheadings, bomb-making instructions, and speeches calling for racial or religious violence, end quote. The release of old lists of compromised credentials from sites like LinkedIn and MySpace would be old news if it hadn't continued to cause problems for those who recycle passwords. On Saturday, another celebrity social media compromise occurred. Ezra Klein, editor-in-chief at Vox Media, had his Twitter account hacked by OurMine. OurMine, you will recall, is a group that represents itself as a legitimate white hat security scanning business. They proceeded by taking over accounts to show, as they would put it, security issues, and then offering to scan an enterprise's social media presence for $5,000. Thus, they promote their services by compromising their prospective customers' accounts. Few observers take our mind's claims of legitimacy or even technical skill seriously. CSO coldly reports that, quote, most real security professionals see the group as a collective of script kiddies, end quote, and that their purported exploits are really just fallout from the recent series of credential dumps. In cybercrime, we're seeing some things old and some things new. 
Heimdall Security reports interesting news on the old. The Adwind remote access Trojan is back, appearing in targeted attacks against Danish companies. Heimdall speculates that Adwind is unlikely to remain confined to Denmark since its fish mail is in English. Adwind isn't tripping many antivirus warnings this time around, so everyone in Midgard should be wary. Palo Alto reports evidence linking the MN Kit exploit generator with three Chinese cyber espionage campaigns. Those campaigns target the Russian military, Tibetan communities, and Uyghur minorities. SBDH malware is turning up in active espionage campaigns run against targets in five Eastern European countries, one former Soviet Republic, Ukraine, and four ex-members of the Warsaw Pact, Poland, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, and Hungary. ESET, the Bratislava-based security firm that uncovered and is tracking the campaigns, sees several interesting features in SBDH. The malware is using steganographic techniques to obscure some of its command and control features, and it displays similarities to malware that appeared in Operation Bootrap, a criminal campaign that raided Russian banks. And two new ransomware strains have appeared. Locky, famous for its use against hospitals, is apparently going into occultation. It's being replaced by Zepto. Zepto is marked by a number of stylistic similarities to Locky, especially its requirement that victims work with it over Tor to repay the ransom. The second new variety is being called Satana by researchers at Malwarebytes. Satana follows Petya's lead. It affects Windows machines to encrypt master boot records as well as files, thereby rendering infected devices unable to load their OS. Malwarebytes describes Satana as under development, but already functional. A proof-of-concept exploit has been released by Dimitro Alexiuk, a.k.a. Crash, that overrides firmware protections in Lenovo ThinkPads and possibly other similar systems. Crash calls the exploit ThinkPone and says he didn't warn Lenovo before releasing it because he thinks it too difficult for exploitation in the wild. There are so far no patches or mitigations. The National Cybersecurity Hall of Fame is taking nominations for its next class, scheduled for induction in October. Since its first class was inducted in 2012, the hall has honored 26 of the most eminent contributors to the field. Well, it began in, in 2012 when uh, the three of us, myself, a fellow named Rick Garrett, and Larry Litow, were having lunch. And uh, one thing led to another. Uh, there was a suggestion made that we really ought to begin to honor the people who uh, formed the industry that we now talk about as cybersecurity. That's Michael Jacobs, the chair of the National Cybersecurity Hall of Fame Advisory Board. With a mission statement that reads, the Cybersecurity Hall of Fame will represent the mission, respect the past, protect the future, and will honor the innovative individuals and organizations which had the vision and leadership to create the foundational building blocks for the cybersecurity industry. There are five different categories uh, under which someone could be nominated. The categories are technology, policy, public awareness, education, and business. Jacob says there's no shortage of nominees. We'll probably end up reviewing around 50, perhaps 60 nominations. And we do that through a, a two-round voting process. Each of the members of the board are provided five yes votes every year. Every year of the five years we've been doing this. There was near unanimity in agreement on where the yes votes got used. 
There, there are 11 members of the Board of Advisors. Uh, they're drawn from industry, uh, academia, and government. You know, there are a number of household names, you know, like Rubess, uh, Shamir, and Edelman, uh, and Whitfield Diffie, and, and, and Marty Hellman. And, and so it's a, it's a great range of people uh, that have been influential in starting the industry and sustaining the industry. Uh, and that's what it's all about. Michael Jacobs shared his view that recognition of the cybersecurity industry as a whole has been a long time coming. There has historically been, in my experience, over 52 years, a great deal of skepticism about the need for this industry. It's taken an awful long time uh, for the industry to get established, for people to recognize the threat, and for people to begin doing something about the threat. So the folks that we're talking about are people that have had great impact in causing that turnaround to occur, either through technology, which was simple to use, relatively inexpensive to acquire, and has in many respects become ubiquitous. People who formed industries around the technology. And so th- these, are, these are folks that had a vision and made a significant contribution to allow things to happen. Nominations are open for this year's National Cybersecurity Hall of Fame, and you can learn more at cybersecurityhalloffame.com. The Brexit vote has, to no one's surprise, spawned phishing campaigns inducing the unwary to open emails offering counsel on what Brexit means for you, for the global economy, and so forth. Open your emails with caution, especially if you're in the UK. Two ongoing cybersecurity stories with implications for U.S. elections continue to develop. Guccifer 2.0 is still insisting, no, really, he's not a Russian spy. He hacked the DNC for purely private reasons, but these protestations are falling on ears that grow progressively deafer. Election site security will remain an issue for the foreseeable future. We spoke with the University of Maryland's Ben Yellen on the case of a gentleman facing felony charges for hacking into a Florida election site. We'll hear from him after the break. The other incident with implications for the election is the FBI's ongoing investigation into email security, record retention, and the handling of classified information during presumptive Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton's tenure as U.S. Secretary of State. The Bureau interviewed former Secretary Clinton on Saturday. Her husband, former President Clinton, held an unscheduled meeting with Attorney General Lynch last Monday, and both the White House and the Justice Department were at pains late in the week to reassure everyone that the FBI's investigation into the former Secretary of State's emails would proceed without political influence. And finally, another innocent person, named after the Egyptian goddess of nature, motherhood, and magic, has been blocked by Facebook. Isis Thompson found herself locked out of the social media site and staring at a pop-up message that said her name, her actual name, did not comply with Facebook's policies. She sent them proof of her ID, explaining that, yes, she is Isis, but not that Isis, and as we go to press, she's still waiting to be let back in. Acronyms can be inadvertently tricky, after all, especially when you're trying to make a name for yourself on the international stage. Just ask the Moro Islamic Liberation Front. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. 
Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. I'm joined once again by Ben Yellen. He's a senior law and policy analyst at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security, one of our academic and research partners. Ben, there was an article recently in Ars Technica about a, a Florida man who uh, who's trying to demonstrate the, uh, the insecurity of a Florida election site, and he sort of decided to take matters into his own hands. Uh, what can you tell us about this case? Well, I would first start by saying it's generally not a good idea in these instances to take matters in your own hands. This is an individual... <laughs> David Michael Levin in Florida, who hacked into a local county board of elections website to prove that it was insecure. He used the pilfered credentials of the county's supervisor of elections. Now, granted, we all are very concerned about the integrity of elections data, especially considering what happened in Florida in 2000. I think we're very sensitive to that. But this person, Mr. Levin, not only hacked into the account, but did it on video and actually that video was used as evidence against him. And that has led to a criminal hacking charge. So even though the point that he was trying to make, that the integrity of the elections data was at risk, is a good one, uh, he certainly was ill-advised in trying to break in himself and especially ill-advised in putting it on video on the Internet. So from his point of view, it was all about good intentions, but, uh, but he just went about it the wrong way. I, what, what would be the, the, the proper way to handle this? If you think there's a, a security flaw in, in, in something like this, uh, what's the best way to go about it? Generally, you should not uh, try to use the pilfered credentials of anyone. Uh, if you really do think that there's a problem, you can certainly raise it to the media. I think that would be the best way to raise your concerns without actually hacking into any system yourself. And, you know, in this case, it is a public official, so you have the right to contact the public official to express your concerns. And again, the concerns are certainly warranted. I just think that there is a significant risk in hacking into the device, and that will risk you a, a felony charge. And I just, again, even though the, the purpose of it might have been noble, it's just not worth it to face a, a felony hacking charge. That can garner significant criminal penalties. All right, Ben Yellen, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. 
say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With Identity Orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge. And they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey all, Rick here. At N2K Cyberwire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes, and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now.